Welcome to the Motherhood Reimagined podcast, where we celebrate all paths to motherhood. I'm your host, Sarah Kowalski. Whether you're contemplating becoming a single mother, trying to be one, or already raising kids, this is the place for inspirational stories, expert advice, and informative guides celebrating those who didn't follow the rules as they share the heartache and joys of their paths. Be informed, be inspired, because you do not need to feel alone. Hey everyone, welcome to today's show. I just wanted to make a couple announcements before we get started. So first of all, I'm looking for more podcast guests. So if you're interested in being interviewed and sharing your story, please head on over to my podcast landing page. That's at motherhoodreimagined.com forward slash podcast dash home forward slash. Or you can just go to my website, motherhoodreimagined.com and follow the menu to podcast and find the sign up form. If you have ideas for guests too, please shoot me an email at sarah at motherhoodreimagined.com and let me know who you think would be a great guest. The other announcement is that the Tribe Signature Level membership is now live. You can go to my website again and follow the links for membership and go ahead and sign up. Right now I have a Thinkers Triers group and an egg donation, embryo donation support group. In these groups, you get weekly access to me via video call with the rest of the group, an online community to talk about what's coming up for you, as well as tons of done-for-you research and reflection exercises and really everything you need to kind of help you navigate this choice and this process without feeling alone. So I hope you will join me. Now let's get started with our guest. This week, I'm joined with Jackie, a Vietnamese-American woman who has a 20-month-old. She started out wanting to co-parent and ended up as a single mom by choice. I'm really excited to interview her today and for you to listen to her journey. Let's welcome Jackie. Hi, Jackie. Hi, Sarah. How are you? Good, thank you. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks. I'm happy to be here. Awesome. So I usually like to start by asking people, as a child, what did you expect around sort of how your life was going to look and specifically around kids and maybe partnership? Sure. So I don't know how to explain this, but as a child, as early as as I was like 12 years old, I knew I wanted to be a mom. I just had this mother bone in me, inside me that I knew I wanted to be a mom, but I wasn't quite sure about marriage. My parents were divorced when I was an infant, and I was actually raised by my father most of the time. So I guess, you know, part of that environment didn't really lead me to want and pursue, you know, love and marriage. But I, something in me once, I knew I just had to be a mom. Hmm, Cool. And then how did that end up playing out? Can you describe a little bit your path to motherhood? Sure. I was previously married about 10 years ago. And that obviously didn't pan out. And so I've been dating and... Again, I always knew I wanted to be a mom. And my father, he's 83, 84 years old today. And as I mentioned, I was raised by him most of my life as a single dad. So I just knew I I wanted to him while he was here to experience, enjoy his first granddaughter. And so with that in mind, I really am not having to meet the right person. 
I kind of just forged my, started to forge my own pathway to motherhood and getting my eggs in a row, my ducks in a row, um, and my eggs in a row. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> and really, you know, over the last five, six years, really tried to lay the groundwork to, to make this work and make this work. Wow, cool. And so can you tell us a little bit about what the path to motherhood ended up looking like for you? Sure. Today, I have a beautiful, amazing 20-month-old daughter, but it, it was a journey. It, there was some twists and turns. Originally, I had a couple in mind to ask to be a known donor. Um, my first was my ex-boyfriend, who we were very good friends with, and to um, try this co-parenting relationship. He declined for very good reasons. And then I actually had found a very good friend who was very excited to join this co-parenting relationship. And we we tried for about a year. We had several rounds of unsuccessful IUI. And we tried, I tried a couple of IVF doctors in San Francisco. And my second doctor just had a really sit down heart to heart that I, I was really equipped with everything I needed. And that if I really want this to happen, to really ex- consider other alternatives, primarily a sperm bank to make this happen. So I didn't have this originally in mind, but I did end up going to a sperm bank and finding a um, open donor and had success in my first round of IVF. Oh, great. Okay. So the problem was was the sperm, I guess, or that's the at least the theory. Yeah. And, and do you mind talking about a little bit how you navigate? I know it didn't end up panning out, but I know a lot of people are really interested in like co-parenting agreements and arrangements. Can you talk a little bit about what you had, how you navigated that? What sort of like, advice of attorneys or what kind of contract you were able to put in place and what how you kind of navigated that? Um, sure. We didn't get that far because again, the IU the rounds of IUI were not successful, but we obviously had many, many, many conversations, many hours of conversation. I had known my friend for about seven to eight years. And so I was able to assess, you know, we have very similar values. We come from very good families. We have strong circle friends. We both have great professional job, very, you know, he's a very good person, very kind and generous heart. So all, all that was very important to me or the most important to me. And so every, I just, we just kind of had faith and trust that whatever comes our way, we will make it work. And so I think, I mean, I think ultimately if, if it had been a successful, we would have something more formalized and written out. Mm-hmm. In, in a contract form and working with attorneys, but we, we unfortunately, we did not get that far. So it was really just all about open communication, very transparent, very direct, and, and how we wanted, how we envisioned this and how we wanted to work this year. Thankfully, he was, you know, my friend is very, very open-minded, very flexible, very accommodating. And so it, you know, as long as it's realistic and fair, I, I was able to really kind of call my own shot, um, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Cool. And is he involved now that you used a sperm donor and have your daughter? He is involved, not as kind of like a formal parent role. I'm so fortunate. My daughter has many, many people in her life who loves her dearly. She has multiple grandmas, a zillion aunts and uncles, cousins, and a, a lot of strong male role figures. My ex-boyfriend being one, um, my friend, also another one, and 
we live in a condo building with, you know, neighbors who live here for decades. And so they've kind of invited us to their family. And so she has, she has a lot of strong counterparts in her life, including my friends. And so, you know, we lean on each other in different ways. Cool. That's really nice. Yeah. So it sounds like really the choice to kind of move to single motherhood on your own just wasn't too difficult for you. Is that, would you say that's correct? Or what would you say your process was to kind of take that leap into becoming a single mom? I mean, I would say I'm really happy how things turned out with my daughter in my life, but it it was a journey. I think the first step was to land at a profession, a career that could make this work financially. And I felt stable financially as, you know, part of the groundwork. And then going through IUI, many rounds of that, that was unsuccessful. I I just, in my mind, didn't want to leap into IVF right away for various Mm -hmm. reasons. But ultimately, that was what led me to success. And so I think I underestimated the IVF process. It's a full-on general anesthesia surgery and there's recovery phase to it that I think I underestimated it. And, you know, going through the hormones and the shots and by yourself, um, not having a partner by you is, is, is hard. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. And can you talk a little bit about how you approached the process of actually picking the donor when you ended up going to a sperm bank? Sure. So for me, I feel like my criteria was easy and open and being that I didn't have a criteria that I needed the donor to look a certain way, look like me. I'm Vietnamese American. It didn't necessarily have to be an Asian American donor. I My first criteria was to um, the donor to have a clean bill of health. Like that was most important that, that the baby would be healthy. And so once you go through that filter, it kind of really narrows down the pool. Mm-hmm. And going through each profile, um, I went through California Creo Bank, but there's a lot of material for each profile. It, it takes at least an hour to, to go through the essays, reading through the profile, the medical genetic history, listening to the interviews. But I was just lucky. I went through maybe half a dozen profiles, you know, after going through that medical health history filter. And I feel like I found my donor at first sight. He just, I actually reading his essays, I actually uh, moved me to tears. Mm, Yeah. And he just was very genuine, really kind person, a real, have a big heart. He really wanted to do this to help others raise their own family. And he would, and also he was an open donor. So that's another thing that between open and fully anonymous, the pool becomes much smaller. And so that was important to me that to give my daughter the choice when she turns 18, that she has the option to reach out and try to find who her biological father is. Mm-hmm. And so, it, uh, yeah, it was like, you know, if you could say love at first sight, I have a first crush on my donor. He's, his celebrity lookalike is Adam Levine. And his baby pictures were adorable. I believe he had successful pregnancies at the time when I chose him. And then funny enough, I am in a connection with two of her half-siblings uh, today. And there are probably a few more out there that I haven't connected with. But 
for me, I, th- I feel like I was really lucky that the process was easy, just being, you know, wanting to make sure that uh, the donor had a, you know, very clean health history and he was a good person. Mm-hmm. Nice. And what has the contact with the donor siblings been like for you at this point? Yeah, I'm let you know, it's still very early. My daughter, again, is 20 months old. So I'm just letting it happen organically with the mom. She has... I know of two older brothers. One is three, three, three and a half. And the younger one is just a few months older than her. And so, and the moms are really sweet, really great, really amazing people. The younger one lives just about a couple hours away from us. And we actually had planned a play date for the two of them to meet and play together. And it was really, really cute. There's a strong resemblance between them. I almost felt like they knew there were something. They just kind of gravitated to each other among like a group of kids and really showed affection. And it was just really lovely to see. Mm. Her older one lives in the other uh, East Coast. So we mainly stay in touch through Facebook and sharing photos and emails and sharing, you know, the, the moms we share about the developmental milestones. And one of the things that a donor that I, that really Attract was attracted that he had a really strong background in music, and it seems like all these these three kids we know about have a really strong affinity to music, and so that's that's been really cool to see come out. Nice. So you set out on the journey trying to use someone who would co-parent with you, and then you eventually moved to the sperm bank. So how did how did you shift from this desire to have someone, I guess, pretty involved and that your daughter would know to kind of coming to terms, I guess, with a sperm bank open ID donor? Yeah, that's a great question. Really, I think it really took a lot because we it took so much investment emotionally, financially, a lot of resources to embark on this journey on a co-parenting relationship with a known friend slash donor. And I think it, it really, when my doctor, my IVF doctor really kind of sat me down and had a heart to heart, that's when I really came to terms that if I really want my dream to become a mother, that I really need to explore alternatives in, 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 in finding a different sperm donor. And so I think at that point, it was just kind of a matter of fact decision. I really kind of took the emotion out of it. And it was like a medical decision I had to make to make it work. And having the convert and then going back to my friend slash um, donor, I think that was definitely the harder part. It's like, okay, we've, we've invested a lot of time and resources on this journey and it's obviously not working. I, I think, you know, we need to think about other, other ways to do this. And I still am inviting you to this part of this this part of the journey if you so are still interested. And I I didn't know what kind of answer and response to expect, but to this day he still very much wants to be involved as much as he can. And so I wasn't expecting that. I'm very, very blessed and I think kind of not having expectations, I think is really key to to having this process evolve 
continuously evolve. Mm-hmm. Cool. That's awesome. I really, and now that you have your daughter and she is obviously sperm donor conceived, how do you feel about, I guess, that fact now? Does it feel like, oh, I wish she had, we had someone that was biologically related to her that she could be in touch with now? Or does that feel like it's faded into the background? I Well, I, you know, again, setting no patients, I feel like the half siblings I've been in contact and building a relationship with that, you know, if this, if we continue to build on a relationship, these could potentially be her half siblings and her biological connection mm-hmm. years down the line when she's ready, when everyone's ready. And so that I, that window is still very open and obviously it, it involves you know, other people's consent and how they feel about it. But I feel good and positive that she will may very well have some biological siblings to connect with and relate to and have a relationship with. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that because the reason I was asking so many questions is I just, I talked to a lot of women and I think before you've gone through the process, it feels so hard to use an anonymous donor or an open ID donor and sort of that shift into the using a donor can sometimes be really hard for people. So I just like to represent sort of that process as much as possible. So thank you for sharing that. Oh, absolutely. It was hard, but you know what? Everything happens for a reason. And I'm really thankful that although my friend is very sweet and kind, but I am almost kind of happy that it didn't work out because it just the dynamic of the relationship would be so different. And although you, I do have my own set of challenges as a single mom, but I don't have to deal with arguments and fights and heartache if we don't agree on something or we're not on the same page or you know, I can dictate how I want to raise her all on my own. You know, it, it's something as little as training her, you know, weaning her off a bottle or, you know, how to treat her when she's sick. Like I, it's all on my own terms and, and my own hands. It's in that, in its way, like a big weight off your shoulder. It's just mm-hmm. less of a headache that you can just handle everything on on your own terms. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I completely agree with that. So do you have any regrets about how your path turned out into motherhood? Absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) I call that my red herring question. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I, I, when I set on this path, my vision was to have two children. I wanted you know, my daughter to have another full sibling if something were to happen to me. But I, you know, that's becoming, um, that that window is slowly closing. It's not fully shut, but slowly closing. I had a really tough labor. I had a 62-hour labor and a really tough recovery. And I was on maternity, I ended up being maternity for 10 months, not in my own plan, but just it, it happened that way for medical reasons. But I think, so I do have, I do have three embryos on ice currently that I haven't let go, but you know, I'll see how the next few years go, how my daughter behaves and she's super, super active. So it's exhausting chasing after her right now, but we'll see, you know, I could, I could find my partner and we could, you know, do this together, you know, those, you know, that's, that's all, you know, anything can happen at this point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what would you say is the most surprising thing about your path and how things turned out? What? Well, um, I kind of touched upon it, but I, I was, you know, again, I wasn't prepared to have such a long and tough labor and recovery. I was immediately diagnosed with postpartum depression and 
that is something that I was aware of, but I didn't think it would happen to me. And I didn't know how much it would impact me physically, emotionally, everything to, and to have a little newborn in your hands and you're not doing well health-wise. That was a really scary phase. And then, you know, mm-hmm. needing to find the support and care for yourself to, to get yourself out of this. That was probably most surprising to me that I wasn't prepared for. Uh-huh. I was prepared financially. You know, I had lined up a night nurse very early on to help me three nights a week. But, you know, but yeah, that I, I would say that was not planned for. Yeah. And how did you find the support during that? Well, I was initially diagnosed by my daughter's pediatrician at UCSF of all beings within two weeks. And I just, you know, that that was like really enlightening. Cause I, and then so from then point on, there were a lot of resources referrals to get, you know, more specialized help, more counseling, hire more help, really expand my village. I mean, I I have like, I think six mommy helpers during her newborn phase. And really, I think I just had hired a new uh, mommy helper to come over for four hours a day, just so I wouldn't be by myself. I would have another, you know, teenager. So that wouldn't just be me and my daughter 24 hours a day, which is have someone there to make sure I, uh, I was okay. And then I, I think talking about it to your safe circle friends and being open like this, I'm going through this, I'm really struggling. And they in their own way would be supportive, either, you know, very emotionally or do little things that, that may seem little things that mean a lot when you're going through mm-hmm. that. And I, I'm very blessed to have amazing circle of girlfriends and mommy friends to really come together at that time, at that phase. Awesome. And were you surprised like when your your daughter's pediatrician said, I think you might have postpartum depression, were you surprised or how did that process happen? I was surprised because they, I, you know, you go in, they give you the survey of questions, like just part of the bounds of paperwork. And so I'm just answering them as candidly and as quick as possible and not really thinking about the questions, but answering it very honestly. And at the end of her two-week appointment, you know, I thought I was done. And I was like, no, the doctor wants to come back and talk to you. (laughs) (laughs) And so she sat down and she's like, you know, we're a little concerned about the survey. Usually we see answers in this range, but you're always on the other side of the spectrum, which, which indicates moderate to severe you know, and, and that was surprising because I, this is my first labor. This is my first pregnancy. You know, I thought this was maybe normal that you were feeling this way or behaving this way and whatnot, mm-hmm. but it was actually, you know, postpartum depression I was going through. And so it was really in like, I mean, it, it kind of helped explain why I was feeling this way or, and it was like step one to be aware and to do something about it. Mm-hmm. And do you mind explaining a little bit about how you were feeling? I don't know if that's too personal. Sure. So I think I think what that one of the things that didn't reconcile in my mind is that again, this was my lifelong dream to be a mom, and here I have this amazing, beautiful, healthy newborn in my hands. And all I wanted to do was sleep and never wake up, or I had thoughts of hurting, hurting her, hurting myself and just Mm -hmm. making this all go away and not have to deal with it. And I think once I think the doctor explained, once you have those thoughts, that's, that's when you really need some intervention outside of being sleep deprived and crying a lot. I think maybe some crying is 
normal too, but over excessive crying and just not wanting to do anything and maybe wanting to do something opposite to be counterproductive are some of the signs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing. Cause I think that when you're in it, yeah, it's hard to see it. So it's really important for people to know what it, I think, know and hear the symptoms from someone so that they can maybe recognize it in themselves. But I'm really glad you got help and got diagnosed and, and yeah, how incredibly normal it is. So yeah, thank you for sharing all of that. And sort of related to that, how your support system, what has that been like as a single mom and how have you sort of built that support system. You've alluded to it a couple of times, but I like to, for those of us who, like, I don't have close family that can help. So it's always been a a piecing together of support. And I like to sort of represent the different methods of, of being able to find support. Sure. So actually all my family is actually in Southern California, in Orange County, my parents, my brothers and whatnot. But I'm actually, in, I feel like I'm in a unique situation where I'm very close to my in-laws, my former in-laws who live in the peninsula, and I'm really close to my former mother-in-law. She actually was there in the delivery room with me for two nights, and she took me in her home and took care of me and my daughter for seven weeks straight before I actually went back to my own home. And She's, she's been such a important fear in my, not only my daughter's life, but also in my life. She's kind of like the mom I've always wanted. And so th- that's been an, an incredible support from day one, even pre-day one. She, she went mm-hmm. to my doctor's appointments and whatnot. And today, you know, I had, I was fortunate to be able to afford a night nurse for three nights a week. And so that was incredible support and helped train my daughter to sleep. She was sleeping 12 hours by 12 weeks. So that was wow. a major, major milestone for us. And today I, I work full time as a single mom, a pretty demanding job. I'm in asset management, but I have a dedicated nanny full time. And I also have a team of babysitters slash mommy helpers. I think I alluded, I live in a really tight knit neighborhood. So we, I have neighbors to lean on. Something as simple as, you know, my daughter has a fever. I need to run out and get some more Tylenol. Can you run out to the drugstore and get Tylenol for me at 10 p.m. in the middle of night? I mean, those little things mm-hmm. are so helpful. Or I'm in a bind. There was a situation where I was sick. My daughter was sick. My nanny was out. She was sick. And so it was just piecing together help within your village to, to get through the, the tough days ahead. And so, and I, and also I have, again, a strong support of single moms that we, we help each other out. We really support each other and we know how it is. And so we are happy to help when it's needed. Awesome. That's really nice to hear. And what advice would you give to someone if they were either struggling with the decision to become a single mom by choice or struggling to get pregnant? Yeah, that's a full loaded question. Not everything is for everyone. I think I think having support in any fashion is very important, either from your family, from your friends, even maybe from a single mom's group who is going through it with you or who has gone through it can be very helpful, someone to talk to. And I think if you're struggling on kind of like make, you know, IUI and IVF, that's, that's really hard. I think it's up to you to, to really decide how vulnerable and open you want to be. But if you're comfortable talking about it and sharing about what you're going through, I think you'll be surprised by how many moms will will want to be there for you and support you. 
And so that would probably be my, my advice is that if you're, if you're comfortable being vulnerable and being open to sharing about your struggles and your challenges, that you will, you will find support and to help you on this journey. Mm, yeah. That's really nice. And in what ways would you say being a mother has been different than you expected? I knew it would be hard as a single mom, but I think in some days you just didn't think it would be this hard. (laughs) You didn't think you would be this exhausted and this grumpy and, you know, and how little time you have for yourself. You really appreciate time that people give to you and you give to others um, after, you know, becoming a parent because you're so engrossed with caring for your child. And if not, you're thinking about your child, you think about logistics, you're thinking about, you know, what happens, what, what, what you're going to do today for dinner, where you think about what your week's going to look like. And so I think I've been surprised how little time and resources you have for yourself after at the end of the day, and I just think it's it's been an amazing journey. It is hard, but you find a way to get through it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what would you say you love the most about being a mother? I I mean, I just love my daughter to pieces. I would I I love you know having her in my life. I can't imagine what I can't remember what life was before her, before she came. You know, she was born and she came into this world. I mean, again, I have a mother bone in my body. It's like my biggest lifelong dream come true to, to, to be a mom and to come full circle. I think, I mean, part of my personal journey is that I didn't, I didn't have a very close relationship with my mom. And so it's always been that hole in my heart to fill. And so now that I've, it's kind of come full, full circle that now that I have my daughter, it's like that. She's like fill that hole in my heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really nice. I I can relate as well. What do you like least about being a mother? I think like Elise, it's just I I miss doing a lot of things that I used to do before her. Again, you just don't have a lot of time for yourself. I was an avid long distance runner. I used to train for marathons, and that would you know entail running anywhere between 25 to 50 miles a week. And so I'm lucky to get out once a week for one exercise class. I used to go to yoga three, four times nights a week. I'm very active in my community. I, not only in, the, in my community, but also in my professional community that I really like to, you know, put myself out there. And so, and I have an amazing circle of friends that I love to go out with and spend quality time. And all that is really limited. Mm-hmm. It's really far and few in between. And so I just have to really reconcile that where I, I really have to plan ahead and try to, you know, a night of three hours and try to, you know, get everyone together as many people as I can and catch up and, but I think it'll get better. I think, you know, she's, she's a toddler. Things will get better in a few years where, you know, I'm dreaming of the days when I can just, you know, drop her off and sleepovers. <laughs> and you'll wake up early in the morning and get a good eight mile run in or something like that. But, and so I, I see that's more of a temporary phase and that, you know, that'll all find your new, you know, I'll be able to incorporate some of my favorite activities into my new normal in short order. Yeah. I, it does get easier as a mother of a five-year-old. I'm starting to redo my hobbies now and it's, it's really lovely, but I know, I know that you're in the thick of it at the moment. 
Any other advice you would give to others from where you're where you're sitting now? I would say I would just say kind of build your village early, whether it's your girlfriends, your mom's club or your family, friends. Build it early and strengthen your village, expand your village early and you will fall lean back in, in different ways at different times. And then and then you will be in a position to be able to give back to your village and help you know, as a token of appreciation. So it's not just take, take, take. It's you do, it's like, it's a give and take relationship and, you know, just to, to find that community early. Nice. So have you dated at all? And can you talk about any experiences you've had with dating since you've become a mom or even while you were pregnant? Oh, yeah. It's funny. I think I went on a date when I was 11 weeks pregnant during the holidays and my date was surprised. I did not want to order a glass of wine, but uh, it was pretty funny, but I think after I had my daughter, it was more this like emotional, mental roadblock in my head that, you know, I had to get over. Whereas kind of in terms of thinking, oh, I have this, you know, brand new daughter and I'm over 40. Who's going to look at my profile and want to date me and go on a date with me? And so I kind of had this negative thought around me and it was real, you know, I just had to get over that. And once I did and put myself out there, refresh my profile with pictures of me as a mom and updating that I'm a choice mom. Um, not every man out there knows what a choice mom is, um, but it's, it's funny just having to explain that a hundred times. <laughs> but I was really surprised that I was still dateable. <laughs> <laughs> that there are a lot of single dads out there who want to date other moms. And there are even men who weren't fathers who prefer to date single moms because I think by nature, they just have their priorities straight, they have their values, they know what they're looking for. And so I thought that was really refreshing and it was encouraging. And, you know, it, it still, it's still very hopeful <laughs> to find my partner in the, you know, in the dating world. Awesome. So you have been dating a little bit since your daughter's been born then? Yes, yes, I have. I met some nice, very nice people, but one way or another, it, it was, you know, I haven't, I, I haven't found someone I'm, I'm, uh, I'm steady dating with, but definitely I, I have done a good share of dating some good dating awesome. stories out of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's good to hear. And I know that you have a blog. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how people can find you if they'd like to read about your journey more? Oh, sure. So it's, it's a really, it's oaklandchoicemom.com. And there's a few articles out there. And really, the probably the, my main goal is I'm actually a really private personal person, <laughs> but I wanted to document document some of, you know, short story, stories and what I was going through to hopefully um, the goal is to share this with her when she's ready. And in the meantime, I'm happy to share it with, with social media and friends who are interested in learning and hearing our story together. And so I think being also in the, in the Asian American community, this is kind of you know, I'm the first one in my family to ever go through IVF and to ever become a choice mom. We just have a very, you know, tr- we're very traditional culturally and, and whatnot. And so I feel that I could really open up this 
as an education platform and to to really educate the community that this is a, a very a very good option to our generation today and it's it's very doable it's very accessible it's it's the healthy way and I wanted to kind of share that to as many people as I can and so it's again I have very little time to myself so I you know I try to update it and get inspired and update it every once you know at least once a month or something like that but I just think I'm there to really help as many choice moms as much as possible. Awesome. That's awesome to hear. Thank you so much for doing that. I'm sure it's a wonderful resource. So thank you so much for joining us. It was wonderful. And I really appreciate your time and your honesty and vulnerability today. It's been really lovely. Thank you, Sarah. If you liked today's episode, please head over to iTunes or Stitcher to subscribe and leave a review. I so appreciate your support to spread the word about this project. If you'd like to hear more about my journey, please read my memoir, Motherhood Reimagined, When Becoming a Mother Doesn't Go as Planned. It's available everywhere books are sold. Bye for now.